You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Rob Wilson, president of Employment Co. USA. We'll be talking with Rob about his thoughts on the true cost of providing paid paternity leave. Rob's thoughts are inspired by a report that was put out by a team of international researchers who looked at the effects of paid paternity leave policies at companies in, of all places, Denmark. Denmark, because that's a country that mandates time off for new parents. I'm super excited to hear his thoughts and insights into this important issue. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Rob Wilson. Uh, Thanks for having me today. We're really excited. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am one of the founders of Employee USA. We're an HR outsourcing firm, so we provide HR solutions to businesses, several hundred businesses across the entire country, helping them navigate uh, and outsource their HR, help them buy benefits and and volume, uh, and uh, overall uh, guidance on the HR front. All right. So... For our subject today, I want to do a little bit of a backstory here. So California, we're talking about paternity leave today, of course, and California is very protective of its employees, and it does provide leave for new parents under various state and federal acts. So we have, on the federal level, of course, FMLA, which gives 12 weeks unpaid leave to employers of 50 or more employees. We have the California Family Rights Act on the state level, which mirrors, for the most part, FMLA, and again, provides 12 weeks unpaid leave protected leave for employers of 50 or more. We also have in California the new Parent Leave Act, which uh, applies to smaller employers. So those employers with 20 or more employees, so 20 to 49 employees, also provide 12 weeks of unpaid leave. Then new parents can. Now those are all unpaid protected leaves. But now new parents, if they meet stated criteria, can get financial relief under our state's employment development uh, department's paid family leave. If they qualify, financial benefits can be provided up to at least, I think it's six weeks in a 12-month period. But California, as always, is an anomaly. We know this. So, Rob, let's talk about what's happening in other parts of the country. And I want to start out by asking you sort of, what are the statistics telling us about the need for paternity leave in particular? Sure, and, and you know, back to California for uh, for one second. So California on the new uh, new benefit, you know, they're paying uh, the, the uh, it's being paid for by a payroll tax. So everyone's paying a one percent payroll tax to uh, uh, to the state to, to get up to those six uh, six weeks of, uh, of benefits. But so. Um, 
I'm, as far as the, some statistics, so 92 countries offer paid paternity leave, and, you know, and the U.S. is one that does not. Uh, we're, uh, we've got 9% of our work sites, and, and that's not employers, but kind of work sites offer paid paternity option, which equates to 80% of Americans do not have a paid paternity leave option. So uh, 70%, 76% of dads are back to work within one week, which uh, found uh, found interesting. I was I was one of those three times as I've got three kids, and within a week <laughs> I was back at my desk working. Uh, and and, and on, the, on the women's side, one in four women return to work within 10 days of giving birth. So, uh, you know, I think there's, you know, there's still a stigma of dads taking, uh, taking time off. And we're talking, you're making the distinction in, in the thoughts that you're going to give today, right? We're distinguishing between leave, unpaid, unpaid leave, whether it's protected or not, and paid leave, right? Right. So, correct. So, uh, 9% of work sites have paid paternity leave. So, 80% do not have uh, any paid leave. Wow. So, correct. Wow. So, and, uh, right. And so, uh, paid leave or not, surprisingly, uh, when you look at dads, there's 70, 76% are back in, in, uh, at work within one week. But in the states that have paid leave, there's a pretty high percentage of dads that don't take it because they feel the stigma that I shouldn't take it. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So, you know, how much of that is the fact that, I guess the question would be, so let's say it was a particular amount of time, because I know locally from, from my clients and we've got friends, that they, the guys that we know don't typically take all that they're entitled to. And I wonder what the reasons for that are. Is it all, would they actually take it the full time if it was provided in California. I don't know that we're seeing that. I don't have any statistics, but I wonder how much of that is, right, stigma. stigma. It's this idea that women take paternity. Men don't need to. So I'll take a couple days off and, you know, help around the house or do whatever and bond a little bit, and then I'm going back to work. Do they feel that because that's what they want to do or because they feel that's what's culturally expected? I think it's more of a, of a culture in a workplace. Men haven't been allowed to have paternity time for for so long that you know. From, and from a paid standpoint, you might use you know you might use that week of vacation. But um, and there's in the, the the large companies that do offer paid, it it, it it varies. There's some as low as a couple of weeks to someone like Netflix. They offer unlimited paid uh, during the first year. But there's really because being uh, being a, a, a corporation, we don't have statistics of how many of those how many of those dads took time or how much did they take. Yeah, I'd be interested to know that too. I'd also be interested to know generationally. So we talk a lot on this show about the future workforce, and I would love to see, you know, what what statistics are with regard to the younger generation because I was just at a retreat and. With several of the younger guys in the room, we're talking about how one of the, you know, how looking forward they were to starting families and to being fathers and to having that experience. And I just wonder if, if the younger generations are going to change that dynamic and change that culture in the workplace to where it's more embracing, it's more supportive um, culturally. Because laws are one thing and policies are one thing, but if the culture doesn't support it, it doesn't really matter, 
which is kind of what I think kind of what you're saying a little bit. But I, it would really be interesting to know generationally if that's going to change. I have such hope for the future. Right. Exactly. And one of the, the, the comments in the study uh, was that uh, part of the goal with the paid paternity was to, to get the dads more involved in a, in a baby or child's life at an earlier age, more more involved. So that was one of the goals, but uh, yet to see what effect it has. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's I think it's, a, you know, it's such a wonderful concept, and I, I really don't think it should be gender specific. But Let's talk a little bit about uh, more down to to sort of uh, uh, the nuts and bolts of it. What do you think that you think that uh, if I understand correctly, we were preparing for this show. This idea was that a lot of businesses have this misconception that providing paternity leave in particular is going to have some impact on the bottom line. Mike, if I got your idea right. Right, correct, yeah, and that's what the study found. Is that uh, that study actually found that uh, the the paid leave had no demonstrable negative impact on a company's bottom line. But uh, if you look at the perception, if you go back to you know most small businesses, they don't offer it because they think they can't afford it, uh, afford to, to right. pay for leave. Right. Uh, many of the small businesses they don't pay for maternity leave let alone paternity. So, you know, their thought is, hey, if we're not paying for the women to be up, how can we afford to pay uh, for the men? Uh, you know, after the affordability part of it, as a business, then the, their next thought is, well, if they're off, it, it's bad enough that I'm, I'm giving somebody sick time and vacation time, but if now if I have to throw in paternity time, who, how, uh, who's going to do the work? I've got to bring a temp in, and how, how good are So there's a lot of those questions, but with they... Uh, I always they call that the leave too far. It's like, right? it's like, I have this and this, and that one is just this next one. Man, that's just a leave too far. I can't go there. I don't know what the deal is. And, and, and what they should be looking at is they should be looking at your, your employee engagement, your employee retention. So uh, I would... I would Beg to differ with. Look at the cost. Uh, you know, will somebody be more more productive knowing they're going uh, they're going to be taking opportunity leave off, as as well as from a retention standpoint. You know, it's a you know, unemployment's at three point five percent across the country uh, as a nation. If you can uh, if you can retain your employees, and if this is a great way to retain uh, your employees. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So. Tell me then, what's the good news? What's the research showing that contradicts this belief that employers have that it's, or are those all the concerns that, you, that you're hearing from employers? Let's make sure that's the fact. So you're talking about affordability. Yeah. You know, it's one too many leaves that we have to provide. I'm not going there. Is there anything else that employers are sort of have in their, in their minds as to why they think this, is, this would impact the bottom line? No, they're, they're typically saying, I, you know, I can't afford it. I can't afford it, one, financially, two, I can't afford it from uh, from a workplace standpoint, having people take that extra time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, You know, if it's a company over 50 employees, you've got FMLA, but if someone's take, their thought is if someone's taking that time off, I'm not paying them. So I'm going to, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. Uh, but, you know, so... On the on the reverse side, though, you know the the study showing that it doesn't impact your 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 bottom line, and you know, when we look at that employee retention, there's a there's a lot of uh, good news from the research that that you should do it. So tell me the good news. I want to hear good well, news. Well, yeah, 
you know what what you're seeing uh, is from the from the survey and to, and some other research that you know your better retention people are your you know your best employees are being headhunted uh, and if you don't think they are you know you're fooling yourself because yeah you know there's other recruiters out there trying to take your employees because employment is so tight right now so the better benefits and the better uh, better workplace you can become the more retention you're going to have. So this is a great way to, uh, even if you're, you know, if you look at statistically across your workplace, how many you can offer this plan, and how many people are really going to take it? How many how many dads are there in your in your workplace? If you look around at your employees, I know, look at that number, and if they do take it, are they going to take the whole amount? And uh, Ian. Uh, the benefit side is people are going to look when they come to work for your your business that wow I don't I can't get this at at eighty percent of the other companies this is a great opportunity for me to to work for somebody and and get that benefit. Yeah, it's a great way to distinguish yourself and from a business perspective. I do think that um, I would hate to think that people would offer it with the anticipation that well we're going to offer this but we know that statistics show we're only doing it because. Very few of them use it all, but um, I, I, w- I would think that a genuine effort to incorporate this into a culture is going to be a really awesome thing. Um, we are going to take a quick break right now. It's a good place to do it. And when we come back, we're going to hear more of Rob, Rob's thoughts on the true impact of providing paternity leave. So stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone growing up where I did. A lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Don't miss Workplace Perspective, the only show giving you both the employer and the employee workplace perspectives. With me, your host, Teresa McQueen, every Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome back, everyone. Before we jump uh, back into our show, we wanted to take a few minutes to touch on something that's uh, impacting workplaces across the nation and in other countries as well. And because it has employer and employee aspects to it, we kind of wanted to weigh in. We know it's on everybody's mind, and that's the coronavirus, COVID-19. So it was first detected, of course, in China and now in in more than 100 locations internationally, including the United States. Um, As of today, uh, September 11th, 2020 is our show date today. The World Health Organization has characterized COVID-19 as a pandemic. Now, that is a worldwide designation, not a United States designation or a state designation that has yet to be decided. But we think, I, I think it's important to point out that's a really important distinction um, because once it is 
uh, designated as a pandemic and where it is designated as a pandemic is important because it provides a governmental confirmation that the illness poses what would be determined to be a direct threat to the safety and welfare of workers. It's this direct threat designation that in turn is going to impact how employers deal with modifying further than they already probably are, existing workplace policies and implementing additional temporary policies to address pandemic-specific concerns. And, of course, with so much news coverage, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and be ill-informed. And I just wanted to sort of let you know what I'm encouraging my clients and their employees, um, which is to look to trusted sources, such as the CDC, the World Health Organization, as well as state and local public health organizations. So we're going to run through a quick list of what can employers do and what can employees do, and then we're going to jump back into our show. So for employers, you want to make sure, again, you're looking to credible organizations. I just heard something on the uh, an NPR report the other day that said, with all this disinformation going around, employees are actually trusting and looking to their employers to provide credible information. So you want to make sure you're honoring that trust by, by in turn, relying on trusted sources such as the CDC, the WHO, you can rely on the California Department of Public Health, California Labor Commission, our California Employment Development Department, um, Cal Cal OSHA, EEOC, our Department of Industrial Relations. Those are all, uh, have lots of good, credible information. Look at reviewing your company paid policy, uh, sick paid leave policies, as well as your federal and state leave policies. Know what they are, know what they require, and consider, of course, temporary measures that are going to encourage employees to take the sick time that they need. This could include uh, gifting additional days into their uh, leave banks or allowing employees to go into the negative within their leave banks. You might want to consider, of course, remote work options if you can, even if it's on a temporary basis. Um, You can make sure that you are alerting everyone that, hey, this is a temporary situation based on this uh, critical health issue we have going on. You want to encourage and provide, of course, training on hygiene measures, cough and sneeze etiquette, washing hands. Do advanced planning if you're a business, right? Make sure you've got redundancies in place, that you've got quick communication lines that you can communicate easily with upper management, middle management, as well as your employees. You have contingency planning. What's going to happen if all your payroll people show up sick? Or do you have enough IT resources to make sure that if you're requiring people to do um, Zoom meetings or remote uh, remote into meetings, do you have enough bandwidth IT-wise to make that happen? Our employees, what can our employees do? Hey, employees, practice enhanced hygiene, right? Good hand washing, sneeze protocols, stay at home if you're sick or experiencing flu-like symptoms, fever, cough, other respiratory problems that are not allergy-related. You also want to look to reliable sources, your employers and some of the uh, agencies that we've referenced. Understand your existing pay policies as well. Don't be afraid to ask your employer for flexibility if you're experiencing flu-like symptoms or you're in a high-risk group because of health or age. You also want to remember that... um, you uh, remember you you do not have to disclose any particular medical conditions to an employer, even in this heightened uh, uh, 
status that we're in. But you can ask if medically necessary for a reasonable accommodation for any certifiable health risk. You want to tell your employer what you need and suggest how they can provide it to you. We know that an entire show could be dedicated to this issue, and it's not our intention, of course, to add to the noise surrounding the issue, but just to provide a few tips that might assist both our employer and employee listeners. So thank you for listening to our break, and now we're going to go back to our show. All right, Rob, how does the future look when it comes to the nationwide view of providing paternity leave? So I think the the future looks and uh, is better and better. Uh, the U.S. Senate passed. I like a bill to hear that. that. <laughs> so the uh, U.S. Senate passed a bill that's going to offer paid paternity for up to twelve weeks for civilian employees of the government, and that that would affect roughly two million people. So uh, expect that uh, that to happen. And you probably know this, but that's a great bellwether. Because I know at least, you know, statistically in California, a lot of things that start out relating to government employees only very, very quickly within, you know, a reasonable amount of time tend to trickle into the public sector. So that is a great bellwether. Right, exactly. And so that's, uh, and, and that's that they would be uh, required to pay. So that's 2 million people. And then when you look at there's, there's several other states, you know, New York, California, you mentioned, New Jersey, New Hampshire, Washington, D.C., they're all, they're all offering paid paternity leave. Uh, and some of them vary from four weeks to six weeks to eight weeks. So it, uh, they are, uh, it is being uh, more and more states, and I think you're going to see more states that, that's going to pop up, too. So uh, that's, a, uh, that's, I think, a, a, you know, a good move. And then there's more and more large corporations are, are jumping on it as well. So that's going to help fuel it as well. When you look at companies like, you know, Starbucks is offering six weeks of, of paid leave, and General Mills is doing 12 weeks for dads, 18 to 20 for moms. Uh, Lowe's, which is uh, a huge corporation, dads get two weeks. So it's it, it's starting to spread. So it's just uh, uh, there's been a lot of advocates. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people wanting it to happen. So it's finally starting to uh, to move forward. I think that's really terrific, and I really love the I love the idea that it's it's almost grassroots in its efforts. You know, with so many businesses voluntarily offering it to enhance their own bottom line, right? So worried about their worried about impacting their bottom line. These it sounds like these organizations have already figured out that hey. This is going to increase our bottom line because we're going to be able to retain, we're going to be able to recruit. Um, so I, I think that's fabulous. I love that idea. From from your perspective, you've kind of been looking into this issue. If 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 employees themselves wanted to try to advocate for this at their own organizations, um, how do you have any thoughts for them or some practical things that they could do to sort of lead that charge if they were so inclined? Sure. On uh, you know, uh, your elected officials, both on the state and the federal. The federal have the the, the bill that the Senate approved, but uh, on the state level, contact your uh, your local, uh, you know, your House or state Senate members, uh, and and you know, they actually listen to what you uh, what you know, what you uh, when you call. The uh, there's two good organizations that are big advocates. One is uh, PaidLeave.us. Uh, so paid leave that U.S. So they're uh, big advocates for uh, for this, as well as uh, nationalpartnership.org. 
So they're uh, a couple organizations that you, know, you can support, not monetarily, but just be a voice and be somebody that, that, you know, another person that they can say, well, I've got X number of people that are advocating for this. I think that's great. And then, oh, of course, you know, people can always take a line in their organization by talking to top management, going through HR, being part of advocacy groups. I think that's important, too. Um, as we wrap up today, do you have some words of wisdom or thoughts for the future? You've given us some great information. I don't know if there's much more you can give us. Sure. No. One of the uh, an interesting uh, thing uh, when we look at studies, you know, that was a, a great study uh, that uh, that has helped fuel the conversation. There's another study in Spain that showed a few years after they passed their paid uh, paternity leave, men's interest uh, men's interest in having uh, a second or third child actually after being home went down, and women's interest in larger families increased. So it's <laughs> interesting fact. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. So the so the dads are home for a couple of weeks and like I can't take this. <laughs> Should advocate paternity leave for birth control. I love it. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, everyone, that's our show for today. Thank you, Rob, so much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts and your expertise with our listeners. We'll be sure to have the resources that we've we've talked about during the show up on our website. If you want to learn more about Rob or EmployCo USA, you can find them on the web at www.employco.com. That's E-M-P-L-O-Y-C-O.com. You can also connect with Rob via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all so much for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. Keep raising the bar.